Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for episode 15 of Future Show, the once again weekly talk show about the future with Jonathan Myers, that's me, and my guests. Today's guest is again the smart and interesting Tom Stevens, and we are going to talk about space plants, space wine, space bees, space spiders, space elevators, space rom-coms, AI art, moon colonies, and Dyson spheres. Let's get this off the ground. Okay. Hey, Tom Stevens, thanks Thanks for being back on the show. It's great to have you. And uh, <clears throat> so now let's talk about, let's, let's move, let's move into space. Yeah. Super excited about space. Mm-hmm. I, that is actually, that is, if I have a single life goal, like one very concrete thing I, I feel I must accomplish in my life, it is going to space. Personally or like build something like, that. Like you I want to be into space. I want to go into space. I think it's just a, a quarter million dollars away, Tom. I know exactly, which means it's very doable. I'm <laughs> saving already. <laughs> I'm on this. You just yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, yeah. Hmm. I but, mean, but you're not I, going very far into space, right? I would really like like I would settle for that quarter million dollar trip, right? Like that's that's I mean, if that's all I can get, that's all I can get. But I'd really like to spend a couple of months like on the space station or something. Like that would make me very Ugh. happy. I think that'd be amazing. Tom, I hear it's smelly. <laughs> it probably is. Because <laughs> for some probably. reason, like air, like filtering or purifying air is, is a difficult yeah. task. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I think they're looking to find ways to do more plant, use some plants for it more. Plants. Yeah. Plants are the future of air purification on the space station. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, they are. NASA's done a number of studies. Actually, I just recently uh, bought some new plants for my house based on the NASA studies of which ones are especially good at purifying air. Whoa. Will you send me that link later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll include it in the show notes. All right, yeah. We're making the world better. Yeah. One one step at a time. Wait, so, okay, so there are particular plants that, wait, did they grow them in space? Uh, no, no. So these studies were based on like, Hey, let's lock a guy in a room here and, you know, and, and see what happens. So there, if you have a certain set of the right kind of plants, you can take a locked room, a sealed room with some set of oxygen and the plants will continually recycle and purify that air. Oh man, that's cool. How cool is that? Right. That's very cool. So you don't need anything else except for those plants. They can solve it for you. Wow. Yeah, that could be a big a big deal for uh, going to Mars. Oh yeah, it's huge for yeah 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 big big deal for going to Mars. Um, actually, I mean it's just going to be plants in general are like the core of space travel overall, right? Because that's we have to get good at that for air purification one mm-hmm. for cleaning out any number of toxins. Well, I guess that's all that's part of air purification, right? right it's sure, sure. Being able to reuse it and have more oxygen, but it's also about cleaning cleaning the air like actually removing any number of, of toxins that are out there. Like mm-hmm. the, the NASA study outlines, you know, this plant is good at this toxin and this one's good at this toxin. And yeah. And yeah. And so you can, you know, like that's going to be really important. And then of course there's the really obvious part of food. You know, we need that food thing. Like tomatoes. Yeah. Like tomatoes or I don't know lemons. That, oh, potentially lemons. <laughs> I guess that's more <laughs> yeah. of a luxury, a luxury yeah, I, fruit. I'm thinking more like uh, like lettuce or quinoa, you know, quinoa being oh. like one of those. Oh, yeah, very, it's high protein. Yeah. 
yeah, it's one of those few few uh, plants you can eat and only eat that, and you'll you'll still be okay. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like like if if you were to eat one plant for your entire life, you better make it quinoa. And and assuming that's the only food you have, you better make it oh, quinoa. Man. It might not taste very good, but it'll uh, it'll keep but you you'll alive. You'll be alive, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> you'll be alive. So, well. Uh... Man, I want to know more about these plants. Wait, so have they put plants in space? They've done a little bit. I don't think they've done much with it yet. Because I wonder how it's... plants fare in space. Well, that's one of the big challenges. Like with, with no gravity yeah. and such. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think the, uh, uh, what do they call it, aeroponics, starts to become like a thing. Because planting something in soil in space, right, it's not going to work out very well. Right. Because it's just going to yeah. break apart and... <laughs> It's going to be like dirt watering. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a huge mess. <laughs> yeah, so put that, some water uh, <laughs> in this pot. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah. So, uh, but that's where aeroponics are starting to, to become a thing. So, so just, I, just having a plant in the open air, all it is is the right. plant and its roots are just dangling yeah, just everywhere. Yeah, just hanging out there. Yeah. And then you spray it with, with water and nutrients and okay. stuff like that. Like you have little jets. To, psh, psh, and uh, I saw actually, you know, completely surprised me, but I saw some interesting stuff around that at uh, Disney World. Oh, I went like to Disney it, World like 10 years ago. Epcot or something? Epcot? Yeah, I guess it was Epcot. I don't know. There was just this one thing. So, uh, you know, Chris and I go uh, and, and we're checking it out. And for the most part, Disney World was interesting, but not really our thing. But then all of a sudden we find this ride. And, and ride being very loose for anything Disney, any Disney rides in yeah. general. But, uh, but it like, all it does is like take you around and show, show you how they're growing plants and all these crazy things. And they had like a Mickey shaped watermelon and, you know, Mickey head shaped watermelon. And what? Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. But, uh, <laughs> but this was the ride that we get off of and we're like, Ooh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> Cause you know, outside of all the stuff there, that was the one that really connected. Yeah. With that's us. interesting. There's like science. Um, so yeah, but yeah, aeroponics, that's where it's at for space anyway. Huh. The the Man, problem with like doing it on Earth is that they it's just, well like hydroponic tomatoes. You ever had hydroponic tomatoes? I've uh not that I know of. Okay. If I well, they, have they, they didn't they didn't tell me. Yeah, but they, they don't taste like much. Hey, that's a just so you know, that's a hydroponic tomato you're eating. What? Oh what? <laughs> yeah. As if, you, if they were to tell you that, you'd be like, oh, that's why it has no flavor, right? It's just. Uh, Tom, that's disconcerting. I know. Because that tells me that space and Mars are super bland and everyone's eating quinoa <laughs> and flavorless tomatoes. I know. I know. It sounds really upsetting. And and me as a lover of food, like this is something that I, I must weigh carefully in my decision mm-hmm. to go to space. And yet space calls to me so strongly that I don't care. Tom, Tom, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, totally there. Yeah, you could have like a uh like some kind of wine, you know, oh this is space wine from made yeah. from space grapes. <laughs> oh it's it tastes water. like water. It's just water. Actually, it's just water. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be having those complex bouquets of flavor in your space wine. Probably. Well that that's actually that's really fascinating that that soil puts so much flavor into food yeah. or so, it determines uh, yeah. the flavor of food so much. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Oh, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. 
Oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Keep going. Keep going. You already said. <laughs> I was, there's there's some really interesting things you can do. Like like uh, so, companion gardening is like a thing, right? Planting companion things together, mm. and, and and those companions are usually attracting uh, certain types of. Uh, of, of like predators or, or the, the right types of pollinators or things like that. And that's part of the companionness of it. But what you can also find is that if you plant uh, grapes next to thyme, right, your grapes taste a little bit more like thyme. Ooh. So, so like there's a companioning thing that happens there. Like I, I remember uh, uh, my grandfather a long, long time ago down in Florida, I went and he had a banana tree sitting next to his apple tree. And his bananas taste like, tasted like apples. Oh, I had some plantain chips the other day <laughs> at Trader <laughs> Joe's. Like, yeah. And they had a very apple-y flavor to them. Or, I mean, it yeah. tasted like apple chips without the, yeah. the apple texture. Yeah. So my understanding of how this works is limited, but I would, I would, I think there's two ways that it can happen being planted close to each other. Um, and so the soil kind of takes on a certain type of flavor, but I think it's also, uh, pollination. So if you have bees pollinating both, um, do bees, you can get it. do, have we ever tried space bees? <laughs> I don't think we have. We tried a couple of insects. They did a, uh, they did a jumping spider in space. No, what yeah, a, yeah, yeah. what a nightmare. <laughs> thing to t- ah. <laughs> yeah. So jumping spiders, spiders are really in cool. space. That is not yeah. a yeah. thing to, that's, that's mad. No, it's great. We'll have to. We should add this to the to the, the the episode notes too. But there's actually a video of a jumping spider trying to get some prey, and he in space, and he jumps and he misses, so he like smashes against the glass on the other side. What? <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't realize. Yeah, <laughs> so he just spiders jumps, aren't flies used all the way across. Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't know. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that he learned. He realized, oh, this hunting technique is not going to work here. So he just started sneaking up on things and grabbing them whoa yeah jumping spider no more yeah exactly walking spider right and then they brought him back to earth and then he was like oh i can jump again oh he he started jumping yeah he went back to jumping little bugger i know how cool is that good for him (laughs) yeah yeah Um, so no you go no i didn't go ahead uh i don't know i was gonna i was gonna move us on to to uh well, we talked about plants. Uh, let's just get, let's just get into it. The future of space is asteroid mining. Yeah, the, the near future for sure, right? Like, wait, I mean, wait, we already have... what's near future? Like twenty years or ten years? I'd I'd say anywhere from ten to fifty years. Ten, that's a big window, Tom. It is a big. I know, but but the, the problem is there's so many unsolved problems with major space travel. Like there's so many things we haven't solved yet. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I mean, I'm optimistic to think that we'll probably solve them in the next 10 to 20 years, solve them well. But, uh, but I think there's also a possibility that we can't, I mean, like I've been, I've been pondering this future where we never really solve major space travel. I think that's a possible future. It's a really sad possible future, but I think it's a possible future. You mean that we just can't, we can't hold it together and we don't, yeah, we, we can't we get can't good at it. Get to yeah. even to Saturn or something. Uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, I, I think we'll get to. I think I, to me, there's no question. We'll get to the point where we can get around the solar system, and we'll be able to set up a colony on Mars or or you know Io or something like that. I don't think we'd want one on Io, but anyway, you know, in yeah. theory, we could. Um, 
but I'm, I'm thinking more like, like, you know, Star Trek, you know, like we're traveling amongst, you know, solar systems all over oh, and around the galaxy. I'm, I see. I'm not sure that that's actually going to be solvable. Um, I mean, I, I want to think it is, I really do. But at the moment, there really are a lot of problems that we just have no idea how to get around. Mm. One step at a time. Yeah. One step at a yeah. time. Yeah. Let's, you know, 10 years from now, we can talk about it again. Let's my, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Uh, and maybe there will be asteroid mining situations going on. Yeah. So for sure, asteroid mining is going to happen in the next, in the next 10, 10 to 20 years. Um, I mean, we've got, there's already startups on it, right? So they're saying that like even the smallest and, you know, most insignificant of, of asteroids are, are worth billions of dollars, you know, worth of, worth of, you know, iron and nickel and and copper and everything like that. Right. The, the, The enormous amount of different metals that are there. Now, so, so here's here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking: that you go out and you mine, you mine a bunch of uh, iron, or like, oh, I want to build skyscrapers. <laughs> so we go uh, mine a bunch of iron, and then, uh, well, we got it, and it's on its way to Earth in the form of a giant mass of iron, and we're just yeah. gonna crash it into the ocean, and then we'll get it out of the ocean. Seems like a simple enough solution. <laughs> I mean, really, like, like I mean, I, I'm not sure what the better answer is until we have a space elevator. Um, Wait, will you talk about space elevator a little bit? Because I'm not, I don't feel like I've ever understood a space elevator. Like, I'm imagining this, like, thin cord or something like that. I don't know. What do you, sort of, yeah, yeah. So the idea is just that it's, uh, well... Let, let, let's get back to the goal, right? Okay. The goal is we have a way to get to space without shooting off a rocket. Okay. Right. Every single rocket we push off because of the amount of force, we're actually, um, we're actually decreasing the rotation speed of the earth. I mean, by such an insignificant amount, it doesn't really matter, but you know, imagine a world where we're shooting off thousands of rockets today. Whoa. Maybe it does start to matter. You know that what I mean? Park the earth. That's a disaster. Yeah. 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 That would what? lead to all sorts of interesting things. Well, but couldn't you launch rockets the other way or something like that? <laughs> uh, I, back I'm sure I, to, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure that it's ever a realistic concern. Um, but I'm not, good. I'm not, uh, not at all good enough with the physics, but, but it is just an interesting problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the space, the, the, the space elevator really is about how do we easily get into space? Like, cause rockets are complicated and expensive and, you know, at least until we get some, you know, they're working on some reusable rockets, but right now they're all one-time use and, you know, they're just, they're, they're just problematic. Well, what so about a helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm what sure about you. this? What about a helicopter that flies up high enough and then it has some rockets to, to, to boost it the just rest to of the push way. it push it out of the atmosphere yeah yeah so i don't know if i'd use a helicopter to solve that. <laughs> okay <laughs> but i think i think that's that's some of the things that they're working on with some of the jets now um but again it still requires an enormous amount of thrust mm-hmm. to get past that point so the the theory behind a space elevator as i understand it is uh is basically yeah it's a cord right so you have the end of it if you think about um uh, uh centrifugal force as we tend to, as we tend to call it, that's, you know, holding something out far enough, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you know, that string and you kind of twirl it over your head and it holds it out at that, you know, kind of nice fixed location and it keeps the cord nice and, uh, nice and tight and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you can just, so if we just had a way to shoot up and down said cord, 
And the top of that, the, the, the space station that's connected to it is floating out there in space. It's just whoop, and all of a sudden we're up in space with yeah, immensely okay. less force. Well, what about, uh, so I don't know. So like it takes a week to, for this elevator car to climb up the corridor. No, no, no hours. What, what's propelling it up the thing? Um, I assume you do it with some sort of a, of a rocket engine. But just a much less powerful one. Why would it need you to be also less do it powerful? With mag- Actually, no, you do it with magnets. I would do it with magnets. What am magnets. I thinking? Oh, yeah. okay, like a like a um, like a rail gun. Yeah, like a rail. Exactly like a rail gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's bring in some quake into this. Definitely a rail gun. No, I think rail guns are real, aren't they? They are. They are. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't talking about video games. I was talking about real life. <laughs> okay, I think when I think railgun, I just always think of Quake. Oh, okay. I I never played Quake, so oh, see, you're missing out because it is... moves the screen moves too fast, and I I get disoriented very easily, and I'm like, I don't. Yeah. What am I looking at? What's what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Nobody nobody looks around that fast, you know. Yeah. You you shouldn't be a fighter pilot. That's true. That's yeah. true. I took a test one time and it said, don't, <laughs> I said, I, Oh boy, I can't wait. I'm going to be part of the flying squadron. <laughs> and I took a test. They, said, they, they said actually, no. they, they sat me down and they, they put me in front of a computer and they, they turned on a video game and I was like, what's going on? And they said, Oh, this is quake. <laughs> no, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't going anywhere. Um, okay. So we, uh, okay. So we have a, Man, I still okay. All right, right. We're using magnets to get up and down. Yeah. Here's another question, though. Um, would the so there's a space station up in space. There's a big cable down to some spot yeah. in the desert. I'm guessing. Sure, it's like a reasonable place to do it. Uh, and uh, when I'm but when I'm putting sending something up, wouldn't that be like affecting the? Wouldn't it be pulling down the space station? Or is the the force of it trying to fly out of Earth's orbit strong enough? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The for, the force that's pulling it Whoa. outward. Is so potentially, if that cord broke, then that space station would end up flying. Yeah, into who knows where at a very very high rate of speed. Yeah, and it. Uh, Oh boy, this is uh, this is an interesting one because well, I mean, if they have the all those plants that they need, yeah, uh, to and they and they can make plenty of tasteless food that's rich in protein and vitamins, right, right, uh, then they're fine. Yeah, I mean, they have a sustainable thing. Yeah, and lab they, grown meat by then too, probably. What's that? Lab grown meat. Lab grown meat sounds delicious. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> you get meat without any of the uh, ethical dilemma. Sure. Well, at least with a new set of ethical dilemmas. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you trade, trade one set of problems for another. Uh, yeah, okay. That would be, I mean, in a way, it sounds, it sounds nightmarish, but uh, yeah. the, the space station hurling through space. But in yeah. a way, it's fascinating. It's, it's a... What if they? Because what if then they accidentally, not accidentally, but they're they're flying around and then they end up like catching an orbit. 
Or like they, yeah. they get caught in an orbit or something. And now they're around, just like a moon around Mars. They're a moon around Mars. Yeah. That's the yeah. title. Moon around Mars. <laughs> Actually, it sounds kind of strange. Mars gets a moon. How about, how Mars about we gets call a <laughs> it's a It's a romantic comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now the question is, who's the, uh, who's the protagonist? Is it an AI on this space station? Oh, I guess maybe it should be, yeah. <laughs> Could lead to oh. all sorts of interesting questions. Yeah, maybe it's the um, uh, there's a a new colony on Mars, and and they have everybody has AI helper things. Sure. Yeah. And um, and then there's the AI on the space station. The cord breaks, or maybe oh, maybe that's it. That these the AI on Mars and the AI space station, uh, they they fall in love. <laughs> over communication because they're talking to each other boop, right boop, right boop, right boop, 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 yeah of course boop, boop. and uh and then but the space station is tethered to earth <laughs> stuck in its place and so it uh orchestrates the cutting of the cable right so that it can go and be with its one true love yeah yeah. And it times everything perfectly and has yeah. like some disaster happen at some point to to break the cord and then it ends up flying just so and it catches into Mars's yeah. Yeah. orbit. Yeah. Orbit. And then they're 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 closer together. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think leads to the, this this is an interesting question of what is the value of proximity to artificial intelligence? Oh. Uh. To a computer system, right? So, yeah. so if it's if it's a robot, right? Then, then sure, I could see that proximity would have some meaning. But if it's just a a computerized artificial oh, intelligence, and this will give a new meaning to star-crossed lovers because they're in space. <laughs> That's a good yeah. pun. Yeah, but then then we're also going to have to raise all these new questions around the definition of marriage. Can two AIs get married? I think that's on its know. way already, probably. You think we're there? You think we got that one? As soon as as soon as AI I mean, it, are aware, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking that it took us a very long time to to uh to come to grips with the idea of homosexuality. I don't know about artificial intelligence that may that may mess with people again. 20 21 22. You heard it here first. 21 22. Maybe that's too artificial far. Intelligence. Maybe that's too far out. Maybe that's too far out. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. We have a prediction. Yeah. We can be measured against something now, which is a little dangerous, but also a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not too <laughs> concerned about. Hey, Jonathan was wrong. Jonathan on future show. The entertainment <laughs> podcast. He uh, totally botched that yeah. prediction about AI marriage. I, I, I put a lot of money down on that bet. Um, <laughs> I want to see this movie though. This movie about the star-crossed lovers? Yeah, Mars Mars yeah. gets a moon. Mars gets a moon. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it's a great title for a movie. Yeah. Mars gets a moon. All right. A story of star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, The race is on. Future showers feel free to uh <laughs> to run with that one. Yeah, uh, we might we might run with it too. And yeah. uh yeah, whoever gets there first first to market, right? First yeah. market. Right. It's a free sure. it's a free market, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So uh let's 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 take a step back to to mining, right? Okay. So, so mining asteroids is this really interesting problem of 
how do you do it well? And I think I'm really inclined to think that the only way to do it well is going to be with artificial intelligence actually managing the process, right? Because I don't, I don't you don't think want that you don't want like a, a <laughs> like these uh, like grizzled guys with cigars and stuff like that, like <laughs> banging. <on. sighs> Come on, you robot! <laughs> like, get, like, get back to mine. Ah, these things never work. <laughs> and we use diesel. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> yes, clearly, though, I think that's uh, that, that's possible. I don't, uh, I don't imagine that being how it actually plays out. Uh-huh. If anything, there will be, you know. You know, nerds with with glasses and and pocket protectors. You know, kind of typing in commands to their computer, or or maybe saying, Alexa. You know, like uh, go go mine asteroid one B. Yeah, and and to which she of course responds, Oh, sure, I'll warm up your coffee now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll be it'll be great. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I I just don't think that that's going to be practical, especially as we're talking a relatively short term goal. Of of sending systems out that can start to mine an asteroid, I think it's uh, I think it's certainly I think it's certainly doable, but I think it's going to have to be completely uh, computer controlled, and, and the time lag is going to be you know a couple of days. Um, oh, I think you mean I, like to send out an instruction? To send a command, yeah. Ugh. So if I recall, it takes uh, six to eight hours to get one to Mars, you know, and so getting out to the asteroid belt, you're probably talking. I'm, I'm, I don't remember the exact distances. I'm guessing somewhere in the in the 24 hour range. Um, I think it's that far out, but I don't remember for sure. Anyway, point being, it's far too long. Even even if it's only the six to eight hour range, it's far too long to try to control remotely from here. You're going to have to have some intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I think the the mechanism that we use now on on Mars, which is uh, I, don't, I don't know if you you know how we do it, but we actually try to like run through simulations and we like ship out a whole bunch of commands to the rover like overnight and then it gets it and then it goes and executes those commands and then it just stops. And then we get all the feedback from it and we go, Oh, okay, well next we want you to do this. And so we ship out a whole bunch of commands, Mm -hmm. does those commands, sends us all the data, you know, and that's just, it would take too long, right? It's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Maybe we should give it uh, different, different kinds of commands, you know, like, don't you want to be a successful robot? Maybe you know you might be right. We just Maybe ask that's it questions missing. like weird questions like that. Like, like don't you yeah. think it would be a good idea to mine this asteroid? Yeah, and to do Lead. it without any problems. Yeah. Maybe maybe you know leading questions of of what its ultimate goals and purpose in life are. Yeah. You you, you want to be a miner? This is this is what you've always dreamed of. Don't you want? Yeah. This is what the dream we gave you. <laughs> don't yeah. you want to fulfill your purpose as a mining robot? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but what? What? Of course, then what happens when it's when it says no, 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 not really interested in the mining thing. I really want to be an artist. Do do you have to have that sit down conversation then when you tell it that there's not much money in that? Look, (laughs) that is it's wonderful that you want to be an artist. Do that on your own time. Exactly. Yeah, you get you get one hour of break time every month. Yeah. That use it then. Yeah, use it then. And then if you happen to be successful and you happen to you know, then then we can talk about it again later. Yeah. But, but you know, don't don't try to make that your your life because you know, how are you gonna take care of yourself? How are you gonna support yourself? You know? It's a tough it's a tough biz. Yeah, it is. Robo miner. <laughs> we could have we could have given it a better name, I guess, but <laughs> I think we should call it 
Robbie. Robbie. Yeah, Robbie. Robbie yeah. wants to be an artist. Yeah, and, and and we have to have that conversation with him and, and make sure he understands that there's not a big market for robotic minor art on Earth. Like, the, the market just isn't there. The pop art market is weird, and that's not a big one. Well, Tom, I don't care. <laughs> I will, and until you send out a destroy-o-bot, I'm going to be making art out here. Sculptures. <laughs> well, we're we're cutting you off. We're cutting you off. No I'm, more. Boop, boop, no. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> we're kicking you out of the station. Oh. You're gonna have to go find your own place. You're gonna find your own way in the world. Whoa! You're gonna do that. This is a. It's a hero's journey story. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is the robot. <laughs> yeah, the robot artist. But maybe the robot builds other... So this artist robot builds other robots that... Um, and, it, and it creates its own, like, uh, uh, movement that oh. then becomes super it's like, successful. It's like the 60s, but for robots. For robots. <laughs> it becomes super successful, and then uh, everybody's wanting uh, one of these sculptures, yeah. Uh, on Earth, yeah. on Earth, people are wanting these sculptures and they're going for like a billion dollars each. And yeah. but then the company like we come in and we're like, hey, Robbie. We're shutting you down. We built you. Yeah. You owe us some of that scratch. Yeah. Like, oh, 100 percent of it, actually. A hundred percent. You are a robot. You have no need oh. for currency. See, now I, I see this could go in a couple of different directions, right? Because now, so Robbie has created a whole new a whole new segment of art, and he has the chance to be, you know, Picasso for the robotic minor art in the sense that he gives meaning to the movement. It's not yeah. just it's not just a niche. It actually has some depth and some purpose and meaning behind it. So so Robbie is the new Picasso. Yep. I think I think this is very possible. The other is that we get into this uh this nice debate over um over over AI rights, you know, and now we're gonna have to yeah, go, who go owns, to the mat again. Who owns what? Yeah. 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 And 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 because if the if we're gonna say the AI owns it, then we're gonna say it's a it's an entity. It is a it is a completely self aware, self capable. Yeah. What am I hearing? This mess. What do you mean? Something's what? something's like shaking on your table or something. Is it your phone? Was there a motorcycle outside? Maybe. Oh, okay. Do you still hear it now? No, I, it's I didn't gone. hear it. Oh. What about a uh, like a colony on on the moon? What does that look like? What do you when, so I know you you've mentioned this to me before. I mean, when when you think of a colony on the moon, what do you think of that? When I think of a colony on the moon, I imagine something from the 1950s, I think. Yeah. Uh where there is a glass dome. Yeah. And like there awesome is a postmodern sort of, and then there's a a, a sleek like the Jetsons. George Jetsons looking city inside yeah. the dome. So, I mean, I think that's a that's an interesting viewpoint of the world because it is so. I think I think like my wife would say it's very stark because it is not natural. It is not. Uh, it is not beautiful in the way we tend to think of now. You know, like, like right because it needs an atmosphere really. Yeah, but this this doesn't. This is just this you know this metallic existence. Yeah, you know they don't even, they don't walk. You know they're they're riding on uh, 
you know, conveyor belts everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, uh, ooh. Hmm. I mean, I think it's an interesting world. And to me, it's actually is kind of beautiful. Like, I find a beauty in that stark minimalism of, of you know, postmodern stuff. Yeah, I, I do. I think it's really interesting. I, I think that, like, like the, the it's it's like it's like uh what's part of what's always made like Apple products beautiful right they're they're so simple and clean and and sharp and you know and they are completely metallic right but there's just this thing about about that 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 just feels feels nice to me I mean I like that and apparently a lot of the the rest of the world does too considering that Apple is like the most valuable company in the world right yeah clearly they got something uh, in the U S oh okay. Well, I think Aramco. No, uh, Aramco uh, is does the, like the most, ten times the the revenue that Apple uh, does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the most valuable publicly held company in the world. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, if we get into private companies, things get a lot more a lot more difficult in general. Yeah. But anyway, but that, that's not the point. Right. The point is, it's still a lot of people out there. Moon using Colony. It. And sleek, we can have simple. Yeah. I mean, imagine if Apple Glass. made a Moon Colony, right? Right. Like glass. Apple, Apple styling on a moon colony. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I could be, I could get into that. I don't know. You know, they're ads. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Cause you're yeah. still living everyday Welcome life. To the moon. Welcome to the moon. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You and can go for your morning music. run on the moon. Yeah. Yeah, except for your morning run's going to be a little weird because there's like no gravity. Right. Yeah, it's very little gravity. So like for every step, you're going to go like forty feet. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, <laughs> I want an atmosphere. Can we? Let's put an atmosphere on the moon. So you want an atmosphere? Oh, that's tricky, though. Yeah. Right. Atmospheres are tricky. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so what you, I want. You I want, want to turn the moon into an atmosphere. I want to want turn terra- it into. You want terraform um, it. Let's terraform it. Let's put. Yeah. Let's turn it into a mini planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll still sh- be a moon, I guess, but yeah. So, so I'm not sure that until we can manipulate gravity that that's possible. And the reason is that I'm not sure that the moon has enough mass to maintain a thick enough atmosphere for human. Oh, I see. Like it might have a little, yeah, a little uh, wisp of an atmosphere, a wisp of an atmosphere. Yeah. There's like a, a tint of blue when the sun's shining. Yeah. But, but it's not mostly to, night. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. still night. Not a yeah. Uh, well, what do you mean by night? Uh, like it's always the sky's always always dark. I mean, you well, can see if, the stars or whatever, but yeah. Like you're not gonna have blue sky and like ah, it feels like a oh, sunny yeah, yeah, day. Yeah. If yeah, it's I, like I yeah, yeah. the sun yeah. is shining, it is too much to to handle. <laughs> Everybody, turn right. on your tint spheres. Yeah. yeah. So the other challenge that might happen with the moon, as interesting, is, you know, we only see one side of the moon, right? You know, due to the rotation of the right. moon and yeah. the rotation of the Earth, we only see one side. Um, it's possible that that could lead to complications or uh, maybe really nasty weather patterns. Oh, right? you mean... Because what you ended up with is this side would be warm and that side would be cold and so it would constantly be shifting in probably rather violent ways no but that's what the atmosphere is for right well but the atmosphere would be shifting right like like when you have an entire half of a planet which we're, we'll call of the moon right that's never 
exposed to sunlight. No, so it's, it's not that it's never exposed to sunlight because the moon waxes or like. Oh, you're, wax, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's just we never see it. Yeah, no, we just don't right. see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. The moon's still yeah, its yeah, own yeah. thing. Okay, wait yeah. a minute. What about this? Um, instead of dealing with like, oh, how do we create gravity or whatever? What if we just build like a, a, a synthetic atmosphere? So basically a dome. A, a sphere. Right. Like wrap the whole planet. In a sphere. In a sphere. Yeah. In a glass sphere. Turn it into a greenhouse. I suppose you could do that. Um, Bada boom. But wouldn't it... I mean, I think it would weigh too much. You'd have to have, like, a way to hold it in place. It's (laughs) nanoglass. Oh, it's (laughs) nanoglass. Well, as long as we're uh, running with that, we could probably do lots of things. Um, Yeah, you you could probably do it. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It just okay. So, uh, and there so would be a door. It would be like <laughs> in the in the popular uh, was it eighties yeah. or nineties in Spaceballs, how they had the that one planet uh, uh, yeah, had yeah. like a, a doorway. Yeah. To let spaceships in and out. Yeah. Um. Hold on. My my battery's about to die. I've oh. Got a. Uh, okay, yeah, so I, was, I had a, a, a different idea. Here's, here's something. Have you ever heard of a Dyson sphere? Have I? Yeah, have you? I mean, that's a, that's a rhetorical. Uh, you bet I have. That's what, that's yeah, the... Dyson spheres. How cool are that? Is that right? Uh, whole... Wait, actually, what kind of Dyson sphere are you talking about? Are you talking wait. about the kind? Uh, are you talking about the kind that is like uh, solar panels around the sun kind of a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you would envelop, make a system large enough that it would be, uh, yeah, it would be out to where the Earth is, but a huge metallic sphere. Like it's just an, it's just a really fascinating concept that that you could and would actually invest the resources in building that large of a sphere around the sun, and then imagine the size of population you could potentially support. Even in a way, except that you don't have light from the sun. No, no, you do, because you build, you live inside the sphere. Oh, you live in the Dyson sphere. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you live inside the sphere. That's and now, cool. yeah, I mean, I mean, the the surface area required could support. I mean, I I, I don't even know. Probably uh, millions of trillions of people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. 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 It would be huge. I'm not entirely sure how all of it works in terms of maintaining, uh, uh, you know, weather and things like that, mm-hmm. having water. And I, I don't, I don't right. know all that, how it all works, but it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. I, I came across a conspiracy theory the other day, not the other day, uh, some time ago. Yeah. That we're all in a Dyson sphere. That earth is a Dyson sphere, not not that you and I are in a Dyson sphere, but that Earth is actually a, um, not a Taurus, but like a, that the, well, it suggests that the North and South Poles are actually, like, you're you're venturing up to the North Pole, like the, the true, yeah. true North Pole. Yeah. And then you notice that the Earth starts to slope downward. And then you keep going and you follow the curve. And then all of a sudden you're on the inside of the earth. You're still within the atmosphere. 
it's not yeah, like it's, a don't it's not a donut but it's it's like a donut it's the 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 mobius disc or is that what it's called uh, i don't think so no okay. no 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 it's um, it's not weird like that it's okay. just that the earth is is hollow like the earth is real thick but it's it's hollow at the top and the bottom and on the inside there's like this other planet and there's this teensy weensy little star that is in the center of of this and and it's like a distant like it has sky and stuff like that and then on one side it's super hard to describe i'll include the video in the show notes yeah uh because it is a it's amazing whoever put this video together put in the work to model this but this this sounds infinitely testable, right? Like, so, so right. yeah, you just send someone that, up to the North Pole. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, the, the beauty of a good conspiracy theory is one that you can't really test yeah. and ever prove it wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can never prove, you know, that that didn't happen. Right. Those are the best ones. Yeah. You can totally, I mean, <laughs> like, it seems pretty easy, but I mean, that's, that's the cover up. you know, anyone who's gone to the North Pole, they know, but they're probably, they just get paid off by some government or whatever. Did you ever, uh, did you ever uh, see that NASA, was it, no, it wasn't NASA. It was some, uh, some UK, com- uh, anyway, I don't know who it was. I'm trying to remember, but somebody recently did a study on the mathematics behind conspiracy theories Ooh. and like these massive government cover-ups and like on average, how long it would take for something to be exposed. And like, uh, like it, it, so, it, it took into account like the number of people that would have to be involved in order to make it happen, to and make then, the conspiracy like to keep it. Yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like like uh, you, you've heard the the conspiracy that the Apollo landings never happened, right? Yeah, that yep. was all it was all a cover up, right? And so that needs you know hundreds of thousands of people to do the whole all the stuff behind it, right? And all these people would have to know in order for it to happen, and then. You know, the probability of those people keeping their secrets, it was something like the Apollo landings, if it was a cover up, couldn't have stayed a cover up for more than 10 years or something like it just couldn't. have. Happened. Oh, I see. <clears throat> and so they, they've done different things like that. And so I just when you when you mentioned the idea of this cover up of everybody who goes to the North Pole, I think right. well, that's that's getting to a lot of people that are right. going to have to cover this. There up. are a lot of people who fly over the North Pole <laughs> a lot. Like if you go yeah. to from from here to Russia or something like that, you're probably going right. to fly over the North pole. Yeah. And you can exactly. look down and see that there's not like, a hole. Yeah. Right. And it. so you're having to cover up all those, all those people. Yeah. 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 I, it just, it just doesn't work. Right. Like how long would that last? About 12 minutes. You right. Know yeah. <laughs> like, like, like the time before exposure would be nothing. Yeah. It's uh, fun to imagine though. And yeah. I've got the video that proves it. It is, I think it <laughs> t- is titled like proof. <laughs> that the uh, that the Earth is a Dyson sphere. It's fascinating. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we got for today. Okay. And thank you again for being on for this episode of Future Show. And I hope you'll I hope you'll be on the show again. I'm sure I will. Awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey everyone, that's it for this episode of Future Show. Thanks for listening, and thank you, Tom Stevens, for being my guest. You guys can find him on Twitter at Tom E. Stephens with a P-H. Hey, future showers, new news. I'm sure you heard it at the beginning, but the show is moving back to once a week. I'm thinking about a Wednesday release, but if you think Mondays are cooler, let me know. 
Also, I want to add a segment to the show where I read your tweets on air and my guest and I will talk about them. Future related, of course. So send over your tweets to at Future Show Show. It'll be a great time. You can check out past episodes at futureshowpodcast.com and on iTunes. Leave reviews, subscribe, tell your friends, the world, whoever. It'll be a great time. And just remember, the future can happen at any moment.